Thank you, worship team. How many enjoy just worshiping the Lord? I mean, it's, a, it's something that you can't put words to. Uh, one more quick announcement before we get started. Uh, Roy Your Morris is does. here, and he called me, and we announced it this morning, but I want to announce it again. The Stantler Brothers are having their last show December 4th. Right. And so uh, we're going to have someone going to be kind of itinerating that. And so uh, here pretty soon we'll let you know who that's going to be, and that way you can get with them and get them uh, the money. I think it's only $10 for admission. And so if you're interested in that, you can see him tonight, and then we'll get someone for Sunday. All right. This is something that has been kind of building for a long time. And if I were going to say that something stirred in my heart, it was a word that was spoke in this church about six months back by a, a servant of the Lord. And she's a dear, dear pastor here, and she, she has so much to teach. And one thing that she teaches more than anything is service to the Lord and obedience to the Lord. And so we have the honor and the privilege of having Miss Pastor Edith Stewart going to be bringing the word tonight. Amen. Amen. Am I on? Yes, I am. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> you may wonder why I choose to come up to the platform when it would be easier for me to be down on the main floor. My eyes are starting to leak, sorry. But you see, the platform is a special place to me. It was, it's an anointed place. My first church had... We had um, sawdust floors. That's the kind of a building it was, just old sawdust floors. But the platform had a wood floor. The preachers, whoever they were, would be, uh, of course, behind the pulpit. And I'm not sure why this happened, but there was always a whole lineup of other pastors back there, well-known pastors that... We're just starting to come into the ministry. And the thing that I remember, I, I remember this specifically, I was three years old. And let me just tell you, the title of my talks tonight is Remember, Rekindle, and Refire. And Revive, too, I guess we could add that. Anyway, so I was three years old. My sister, who was 12 years older than I, played the piano, but when we could dismiss the service to, to pray, the platform was so anointed that whoever was on that platform tried to walk off, we'd just fall out under the power. Nobody touched them. Nobody did anything. They just would fall out under the power. And it was such a comforting thing to me that as a child, I said, I'm going to be a preacher. And I was six years old, and my brother, well, I had several brothers that were old enough to be my dad. And he said, now, when you learn to read, I'll give you a Bible. And so he got me a little testament, my oldest brother that was in the ministry. And I noticed that he had 
underline things in red. Well, I didn't know, so I took my book and I underlined page after page after page, you know, all in the red. But anyway, that's, you know. And then when I was about eight years old, um, I would go to my, my uncle's house. And he was a favorite uncle of mine. And uh, I stayed there a couple summers because there was nobody at home to take care of me. And I, he wasn't a Christian. He didn't go to church. Um, he didn't say anything bad or do anything bad, except he had one bad habit, and that was chewing tobacco, and he'd like to spit. Well, I wanted to be like him, so I would get licorice, but my mouth, and then I tried to spit, because I wanted to be like him, you know. But anyway, um, I told him, I said, I'm going to be a preacher. He said, well, if you're going to be a preacher, you better start reading the Bible to me. I know now, at an older age, he wanted that Bible read to him. And so he would sit in his chair, and they had a big bay window, and I would sit up on the ledge, and I would read out of the Testament. Who knows what I read? But I read. And even though I don't know if he ever committed his life to the Lord, something got in him, as in, even as a child. So tonight, I want to say that um, we want to turn to 2 Timothy 1, verses 5 through 7. 2 Timothy 1, verses 5 through 7. It says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which I first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you, so this is a night of remembering, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on my hands. For the Spirit of God gives us gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Now, this is coming from the NIV, and I learned it in the King James. So, anyway, but in this scripture, um, Timothy uh, was um, a child. At, a, at one point, uh, Paul seemed to understand that he needed to have a spiritual father, and so he took him under his wing. And he became the spiritual father to him. Now, his father, his birth father, was a Greek and apparently not a Christian. But uh, Paul spoke about um, the fact that when he was a child, he said, that he, you've known the scriptures. He called it since you were an infant. So he was a small child, and he had studied the scriptures. Well, I believe in this particular passage here that he was realizing that something was going on with Timothy that just wasn't quite what he should be because he'd taken him with him on missions, trips, and so on. And so he said, listen, you need to fan this flame. You need, something's dying down in you. You know, you're not, you, you're not as vibrant as you used to be. Something's dying down. So you need to fan that flame. And then he went on to say, well, I'm going to quote this in the King James, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And I believe he was telling him that because there had been some rabble-rousers around, and I, no doubt it was discouraging to Timothy. So he tried to revive him in that saying, now don't, don't fear, God's with you, don't be afraid. You know, God hasn't given you that spirit of fear or power, but a sound mind. Well, if you've ever seen a fire dial down, you know that there's some embers there. And when I would home, hurry home from school in the winter, I was hoping that the pot-bellied stove that we had had a few embers in it so that we could 
stir it up a little bit and get it going. And this is what I'm hoping that will happen to you all tonight. I'm hoping that anything that I say will be for the glory of God and that you will be stirred by this. That's my desire, and I believe it's the Lord's desire. So I don't want us to be in the used-to crowd. I don't want us to be the crowd that says, I used to speak in tongues. I used to give a message in tongues. I used to prophesy. I used to lay hands on the sick and really expect them to, to be healed. I don't want us to belong to the used to crowd. I want us to rekindle that, whatever has gone down in us. Stir the fire of God tonight. Stir the fire of God. Father, I pray tonight that whatever I say, God, will be come from you, Lord, that will be your words and your stirring. I pray that every person here, Lord, will realize that we must be on fire for you because the time is coming when we maybe can't do that anymore. And so, God, tonight I pray that our light will shine and our fire will be so set on fire that, it, that actually when people drive by, they'll say, I see a fire in that church. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Even though I call myself a facilitator, not a teacher, there are certain aspects tonight that I think are teaching points. And so I'm telling some stories, some parables. And if you heard Pastor speak this morning, I, I like that one about the priests. <laughs> and, and also, there are some things in here that Pastor was speaking about this morning that... Um, it just made me know that I was kind of on the right track. Anyway, back in 2 Timothy, it says to fan the flame, the gift of God. So he's talking about there's gifts, the gift of God. What was it that Timothy's gift was? I don't know what his gift was, but probably preaching. But there is in 1 Corinthians 12, Verses 4 to 11, it talks about gifts. It talks about the gifts that God gives us when we open our hearts to him. And so, if you will uh, follow along, and I, I'm re I, this is a no-no for a preacher. shouldn't just have your Bible up here, but as you get older, the less things you carry, it's much better. But I do have the scripture written down. There's different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now it does list these, there's nine gifts, and it does list them, but for simplicity, I'm just going to read the gifts. First one is wisdom. Then there's knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And if you'll notice on that list, it doesn't say anything about an age requirement. So as you get older, don't say, well, you know, I'm too old to do those things. There's no age requirement. It's not an age requirement for being young. I was in... Um, uh, First Assembly in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and a little boy, probably four, maybe five, was by his grandmother, and all of a sudden he stood up on the bench and gave a, gave a message in tongues. Young children, you're not too young to be used by the Lord. Not at all. Not at all. 
So anyway, I received a prophetic word, and I'm talking about these gifts. And I received a prophetic word in an unusual circumstance. As you may know, a prophetic word is an utterance in the native tongue not conceived by human thoughts. Well, my daughter, Debbie, and her husband had just moved to Texas. Well, not moved, just moved to Texas, but they'd moved into a new town in Texas and a new house. And they had lived in this new house two days when they had a new baby. <laughs> so guess what? This grandma wanted to be there because this was my second grandchild, and I wanted to be there to see that baby. So I flew down there to, to, um, to visit them. And, of course, we had our talks and oohs and ahs. And on Saturday night, she said, my mama, there, she said, there's an Assembly God church, oh, about five or six blocks down. If you'd like to take my car and go to church on Sunday morning, you're welcome. Well, yes, I did. Now, I wanted to make a good impression because what if some of her neighbors, she didn't know the neighbors yet, what if some of her neighbors were there? So I wanted to make a good impression. So, you know, I had a nice dress and I had several of those bangle breeds on. I had to have our bangle bracelets, you know, I had to look just so-so and fix my hair and had the makeup on and I pulled up in front of the church and a nice man greeted me at the door like we have greeters here. And... Um, and when I went in and sat down, I, um, I don't look like anybody else. They had their hair piled on top of their head. They didn't have any makeup on. And they surely didn't have any jewelry on. And, but the amazing thing to me was the church was full. Now, it wasn't this big of a sanctuary, but... I had been a counter at one of the churches. I had to count people, and I estimated there was 300 people there. I mean, it was full. And so I thought, well, I don't feel too uncomfortable. Oh, well, there's a young man over there. He's the only one that doesn't have on a shirt, uh, a suit and tie, but I, well. So the pastor gets up and welcomes the visitors, and I see we have two visitors here today. Okay. So, all right, that's fine. Not, I... I still, I, I didn't feel uncomfortable. That was the amazing thing. I just did not. Well, I don't know when this happened, but they had the worship service. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit fell. So strong that literally everybody in that place ran to the altar. I mean, they ran. You know, we kind of do this number, you know, when we're coming to the altar and, 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 you know, the Holy Spirit's moving, we're kind of, you know. But no, we ran to the altar. And my favorite spot to pray has always been the first pew. And so I turned around and kneeled at the first pew. And we prayed. And it wasn't any five-minute dip in praying, let me tell you. They prayed and prayed. That church knew how to pray. So as I was praying, I felt a hand on my shoulder. And the, was the pastor. And he said, Lord, I pray that you equip her for the calling you've placed on her life. You know, I didn't know if I was called. As a kid, I wanted to do it. But I knew there was something missing. There was just something missing. And now my, my children were grown and had their own children. Anyway, after we prayed a, a little bit, I turned around and sat down in a, 
oh my, I'm sitting where all the men pray, and over here is where all the women pray. <laughs> but you know what touched me the most? It didn't matter to that pastor. He had a word of the Lord, and he came and prayed and gave that word. It did, he didn't say, you know, she doesn't know, even know where to sit, you know. He didn't, he didn't have that in his mind. He began to just pray, give what the Lord had given me. And that was such a confirmation to me. But I learned a couple things. Man looks at the outward appearance, but it didn't matter. didn't matter to God. didn't matter to that pastor. Well, I went home. And uh, not long after I was back home in Illinois, our pastor was the Reverend Herschel Crouch. And I don't know, I don't know how to say this without, I don't mean this to insult anybody, but if you're at all like me, it's like, I never feel like I'm the one that can do anything. You know, I just like, well, you know, I'm not going, pick me, pick me, you know. I'm just, you know, kind of shy and inside. Or, so, I... Uh, well, in fact, in school, I, you know, my grades were nothing to speak of. I kind of went the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E. I didn't get the F, but anyway. <laughs> anyway, I, I just, you know, I, I, but it didn't bother me. It wasn't like I felt inferior. It's just I knew who I was, and it just didn't bother me. Well, anyway, Pastor Crouch came to me, and he said, oh, we're going to be going out of town um, he said, uh, uh, we're leaving Sunday night after church, and we'll be back the next Saturday night. And I was wondering if he would take the Wednesday night service. <sighs> I'd never been behind a pulpit before, you know. And I, I went, I, but then I remembered that prophetic word. And so I said, yes. So I got in the car, told my husband, and let's face it, guys, sometimes you get a little jealous if your wife is doing something that you feel like you can do. <laughs> so I said, when I got in the car, I told my husband, I said, Pastor Crouch asked me to do the Wednesday night service. Oh, I asked you, huh? Um, yeah, I, he did. And, uh, well, what are you going to preach on? I said, well, I'll probably preach on the platform. He, 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 he didn't take that as funny as I did. But anyway, so I went home, and I realized, I said, God, if you are, if this is the first of my calling into any kind of a ministry, this is not, I'm married. This is not for me to do it alone. We're a husband and wife team. So... When he went to work that day, I prayed, Lord, what can I do? What can I do? If this is the beginning, and I feel like it is because it came so suddenly afterwards, Lord, what can I do? What can I do? And then I remembered 20 years before, we were at, um, we were cooks at, a, at the Assembly God Church camp out at Lake Tahoe. And there was an Indian chief there by the name of um, Miracle, and he did a truck drawing. And my husband said, at that time, well, I think I could do that. And I thought, 
well, yeah, I bet you could because he was an artist. And he could carve ducks. He could do ice carvings. He could do all that kind of stuff. So I said, Lord, you spoke my parables. Can you give me something, like a story to go along with, you know, and I'll ask him when he comes home. Well, when he came home from work that night, I told him, do you think you'd be able to do a chalk drawing to the story that I wrote? And now remember, this had been 20 years this was coming into fruition. And he said, yeah, I think so, read me the story. Then all of a sudden, I heard this deep sobbing. <laughs> now, if you knew my husband, men did not cry. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit had touched him. And he said, yes. We did the chalk drawing. I'm telling you, it was like the Indy 500, start your engines. Because when we did that chalk drawing, the very next day somebody said, we have a kid's crusade, and we were wondering if you could possibly do chalk drawings at this kid's crusade. And from there we went to, we went to different denominations. We, we, and, and this happened clear up until about three months before he passed away. He was still able to do a chalk drawing. And we didn't do it daily. We didn't do it weekly because he still had a job. I still worked. But the Lord fulfilled that. And let me tell you, I wrote it down, and I guess the Lord didn't want me to keep it, but there was many people saved from that. And it wasn't just an ordinary chalk drawing. He figured out how to make sound behind it and special lights and all that, and it was different than most people. So anyway, that started that ministry. Well, that was under the prophetic word. And now then, there's something here that I've been battling with. It's been a real battle, but it's something we don't talk about a lot. We tend to think, Pastor alluded to this this morning about the different spirits, but we tend to think those spirits are all in foreign countries and not in the United States. Is that right? I mean, really, this is a Christian country. Why would they come here? You know, yes, they are in foreign countries. When I was over in Africa uh, as on a missions trip, it was my turn to speak at night. When I got ready to pray for a lady, she literally jumped on me. It was, she was demonic, and she jumped on me and knocked me over backwards. Yes, there's demonics in foreign countries, but they're also here in the United States. And I want to say, if we're expecting the revival that we believe is coming, the enemy is going to be mighty mad. He's not going to like it one bit, and we need to be prepared. And I want to give you some illustrations here of what the Lord has done and what can do. Now, let me proceed this by saying, I am not an expert in, in demon deliverance. Because if I was, I'd probably have a sign out that said fortune telling. But I don't, and I'm not, and anything that's ever done is through the glory of God. So... Let me, I want you to, uh, if you will, put up the scripture from Mark 16, 15 through 17. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. 
in my name, they will drive out demons. That's the very first thing that he said. To me, when somebody says something first like that, it's important. And so we need to be prepared. And I don't know. Yes, Jesus told us to fast and pray. But anyway, and then the very last thing that he said in that scripture, they will speak and believe. Uh, okay, go ahead. Speaking in the new tongues. Continue on. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. And then what? <clears throat> well, anyway, it says they shall lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. <clears throat> so, the first thing he said was they'll drive out demons. That last thing he said was that we would lay hands on the sick. Okay, I got a call from my family members that my dad was sick. We lived in Illinois. He lived in Fairfield. Well, he didn't live in Fairfield, Iowa. He lived in that vicinity. <clears throat> he was in the hospital. They didn't know what was wrong with him. And so I said, uh, well, then I better go because they warned me that he seemed to be declining. So it was a 350-mile trip. Uh, my husband and I agreed that uh, I would wait until the children left for school that morning, and then I would go on down to see my dad. Before my husband went to work, he said, and don't pick, pitch, pick up any hitchhikers. I thought, what do I look like? Somebody that would pick up hitchhikers. Well, anyway, so I went 350 miles. So let me tell you, I'll zoom along. And as we get to this town called Mount Pleasant, it was an area where we had lived at one time. My dad liked to move a lot. And so we had lived in this area, and it was Mount Pleasant. Now, my mother passed away when I was six years old. My dad remarried when I was 26. So all of the children were out of the house, and we didn't feel like calling her our mother. We were all left, but our grandkids could call her Grandma Bonnie. So that was the name that we chose for her was Grandma Bonnie. Well, Grandma Bonnie had told me, she said, you know, I was in a mental institution for five years in, in Mount Pleasant. Well, yes, there was a mental institution there. And in my day growing up, they called it the insane asylum. <clears throat> well, anyway, she said, and so I was thinking about that as I neared the town of Mount Pleasant. And uh, also, I remembered I had a classmate that um, had been in that mental institution. So I got just right at the edge of the uh, property, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I have much people in that place. And I said, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I command you to loose God's people. Set them free. Boy, I felt the goosebumps all over me. Well, I went on. Uh, that end of, end of town, there was hardly any business. And so I would turn left to head to Fairfield. I had 22 miles yet to go. So when I uh, turned on that road, you could see quite a long ways. It was... Oh, I would say two miles. It was a soft rolling hill, and it was cold, very cold. It had been, that was one of the reasons that I left later in the day, because it was below zero. And I thought, oh, that looks like a man walking on the road. And I thought, well, why would, where's this car? I didn't see any car anywhere. And I kept looking, and... um. Well, there was no driveways, no broken down 
I thought, well, he's going to, I'll have to pick that man up. Oh, uh-huh. not supposed to pick up strangers, am I? Well, he, my husband wouldn't know this because he, he, he's in here. He doesn't know that it's cold and it's freezing. And, um, well, no, don't pick up strangers. And I kept watching, and as I got nearer to him, he had a long black coat and a black derby hat. And I could see he had bare hands holding a, like a satchel. Kind of reminded me of pictures of the old days of, of uh, the country doctors that would go make house calls, you know, and had their stethoscope medicine and stuff in it. I could see his bare hand, and I thought, well, it's going to freeze. That's going to freeze to there. It's below zero. So I just, I, I was just puzzled as what to do. But as I neared, he was, I thought another strange thing, he was on my side of the road. Usually you're on your left side of the road. But he was on my side of the road, and I thought, well, I'll have to pull out a little bit. But just before I got to him, he reached down on the side of the road, grabbed up a handful of gravel, and threw it at my car. And I thought, well, are you some demonic? You figure it out. Lord, how many people were set free that day? How many people? So I started on going on to Fairfield see my dad. It was getting dark. My cousin had invited me to stay with her at her house, and I thought, well, I'll take up on that. And she had just moved a couple years before, and I had not been to her place. She was out in the country. She said, I live five miles from the hospital. So, um, and these were kind of like the directions she gave me. Uh, you turn on McGilly Road, and then you go about a mile, and you're going to see a red barn. And when you get to that red barn, you want to turn right. And after you've turned right, you're going to see another an old windmill that has a couple blades out of it. And then you follow that, and right beside there is a path. Well, it's really a dirt road. But you go there, and you're going to see a haystack. And when you see the haystack, we're three houses down from that. Well... That was the directions that I had, something like that. And I thought, I can't go there after dark. I, you know, I, I, what if I missed what she said? And what if the, you know, whatever. So I went in to visit my dad. And when I got in there, I, hello, Pop. Hello. Normally, he would have really welcomed me. And I said, this is Edith. Yeah, I know. That was kind of an odd response. So I said, well... Um, we visited a while, and I said, well, Pop, I said, uh, I'm going to be staying at Francis' house tonight, and I want to get there before it gets too dark, because I won't know how to get there. And she said, okay. And I said, uh, before I leave, we'll have a word of prayer, and I'll read some scripture. Fine. So we prayed. Then I read some scripture. I have no idea what I read. But I have no memory of what I read. But I went to Francis' house. I said to him before I left, now, I'll be here early in the morning. I said, I'll try to be here about 7 o'clock in the morning. Fine. So I got there at 7 o'clock the next morning. Well, I thought you'd never get here. And I thought, well, this is different. I got something to tell you. I said, well, what, Pop? He said, when you read that scripture, something in me broke. And he said, I have a sound mind now. 
And he said, I'll tell you what happened. He said that I didn't know. Apparently, I was unconscious when they brought me into this hospital. I didn't know where I was. I didn't even know this, what state I was in. I knew nothing about where I was. And when I would ask people, they'd say, now, now, Mr. Nelson, just we're here to take care of you. Don't worry about anything. And he didn't find out. He said, but the devil kept telling him, well, you're in a mental institution. That's where you are. You're in a mental institution. Because you were watching Christian television, and you saw something on there that you made fun of. And so the Lord just put you in a mental institution. He said, but when you said that word, something broke. And I'm telling you this, if you will, uh, where is it? Um, Yes, Hebrews 4.12. If you can put that up, please. I know it by heart, but I... For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divining asunder of the soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is the discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. That word, the word of God, don't ever forget that. When you go visiting in hospitals or something, do it. Read the Bible. You don't know what they've gone through. Just read some kind of scripture to them, whatever the Lord's given you. I know when I was training to be a a hospital chaplain, I was trained by a Lutheran pastor, and he said to me, now some of the people that you go see are apt to be a little belligerent because of medicine or whatever. He said, just sing Jesus Loves Me. And he said that, and I know that did look too. So I'd sing Jesus Loves Me or I'd quote some scripture. Well, anyway, another story. I was home again, and the phone rang. It was kind of late at night, and um, uh, it was from one of my young friends. She was, they're probably in her 20s, and the, these 20-year-olds were having a prayer meeting. And she said, Edith, can you please come? What? And I'll make up a name. Miss Susie thinks she's demon-possessed, and she's growling. And I thought, not Miss Susie. A couple years ago, she gave her heart to the Lord. She was so on fire. And, and well, she thinks she's even possessed. So I said to my, I, I felt I should go. And I told my husband, and once again, he said, well, I hope you know what you're doing. And I got in the car, and I said, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm running into here. But I'm asking, Lord, that you... Give me a word or something. And then again, 1 John 4. 1 John 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. I walked into this house where there was a group of probably 20, maybe early 30-year-olds praying. And I went over and I said, Miss Susie, do you believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? Oh, yeah. Do you believe that he's the Son of God and that he died on the cross for your sins? Yes. You don't have a demon. You have a lying spirit. And this lying spirit is also a tormenting spirit. If you'll begin to pray in tongues like you have, you'll have no more problems. She lifted her hands. Thank you, God. I don't know why I thought I had this, but she began to pray in tongues. These are some illustrations of things that might happen 
and may not. Again, I, I just know that I kept saying, me, all the time. It, was, it wasn't like, why me, Lord? It wasn't that. It was like, me? You know, and I just felt so unworthy of everything that has happened. Well, one more along that line. We had a little boy, a little foster child. I had raised foster children. And this little boy was two years old when he came to our home. And almost three. It broke my heart when I had to go to court and sit there and watch his mama write him off. In fact, he's sitting on my lap. She was up on the judge's stand, and he raised his head up, and he said, Ma? And I said, Yeah, that's your mama. But he didn't run to her. I could tell it wasn't pleasant for him. But at home, I would read him a Bible story. I would pray with him and tuck him into bed and turn out the light. But I noticed something strange. The light would come on after I put him to bed. And I thought, well, he's too little. He can't reach that light switch. And so after it happened a couple times, I thought, well, I'll just step aside and see what's happening here. Well, the little fellow was very smart, and he had gotten a toy, and he went over on his tiptoes, and he pushed up until he got the light switch on. And I thought, he's not, you know, his mama had said he wasn't right, but he was right, okay. She was the one that wasn't. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, but it's something sent, stirred up in me that, there was something going on spiritually with him. So I went over to his bed, and I knelt down at the foot of the bed, and I said, Satan, I'm speaking to the spirit and not the child. What is your name? He said, Fear. After that was delivered, there was no more problems, no more problems whatsoever. If I can share something out of experience... If any of you are ever around a whole, if say there's a whole group of you and there's one uh, trying to do a deliverance, just let the leader, whoever that is, do the, the delivering. Because otherwise, you're going to have somebody saying, uh, what is your name? And the other one's saying, be quiet and come out. And it confuses the spirits. So this is not written in the Bible. It's from experience that I've had that. Okay. Now. We're going to talk about healing, the last of that verse. My husband and I were called to um, go to Cox Hospital. Um, there was a, my husband, Gerald Stewart, and I, uh, were called to go to Cox Hospital because there was a young lady from Forsyth that had, had a terrible car accident, and she was, um, she'd been in a coma, and they couldn't get her out of the coma. So we went in and prayed for her, and um, talked with the family a bit, found out that they had been going to church, but now they preferred to have it at home, and it wasn't even the COVID. Um, but anyway, um, we went, we, after praying, we went home. And then my husband said, you know, I, I feel like I should go back again the next day. I said, Okay. Well, if you've ever been to the critical care unit, it's like the end of the hospital. It's a long walk down there. And my husband is 90, and he's got this cane. And, you know, I said, you know, because my grandson had also been in an accident, was in the critical care unit, 
I said, there's a back door back there that I see the doctors and nurses coming in and out of. It's a small parking lot, but I'll pull up there and you can go in there. So he did. And I, I had to double park because all the parking spaces were gone. So um, he's in there and in there and in there and in there. And I thought, good grief, he likes to visit, but this is a little much. Well, he came out and he goes, you'll never believe what happened. I said, what? He said, I walked in there and I said, in the name of Jesus, Hannah, wake up. Bing. Her eyes came open. And the, doc the mother ran and got the doctors and nurses to come in there. And right away, they were just, well, I understood why he was in there a long time. It was wonderful. It was a great experience. The Lord had touched. But remember, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. By the time we reached home, our cell phone was ringing. Um, could you come back? Uh, there's a couple other families here that want you to pray for them. <laughs> so this time I wanted to be in on it. So I went in, and I went to the back. We parked, I don't know, I guess maybe I found a spot. Anyhow, we went there. Well, we prayed for these two other families' loved ones. And then we stopped and saw Hannah again. And she knew who we were, knew everything about it. And then we started down the hall. Now, my husband had, had, had a hearing problem. And people would say, that's that old pastor. Yeah, that's that old pastor that, that prayed for that one. You know. And then uh, nurses and doctors came out and lined that hallway and began to shake his hand. My husband had no clue what's going on. You know, he's like a church service. Well, how? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, until I got home and told him what they'd said. So, yes, there's healing. There's healing with a touch. There's healing with a word of knowledge. He and I had been asked to fill in for a couple services at a church, a couple Sundays at a church. If you've never heard of this, you'll probably laugh. It's in Illinois, and the name of the town is Dupo, and it's between Dupo and Mousette <laughs> that there is a country church. So we went to this country church. He, he, pray, prayed. he preached in the morning, and I spoke at night. Well, this one night, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge, and I said, there's somebody here with an ear problem, terrible ear problem. And a man jumped up, and he said, yes. He said, that's my granddaughter, and she's asleep here on the, on the a pew. And I said, don't wake her. We'll just go back there and pray. Well, unbeknownst to me, she had had severe problems from the day she was born. And she was quite often either in the hospital or at the doctor's office. And I don't know what was wrong with her ear, but I could see the Lord showed me a picture of that ear. It was all messed up. Well, anyway, about, she told me, she said, poor before church, she said, I'm six years old, and I'm going to start to school. And I said, okay. So uh, she had to go get her physical. And when she did, the doctor said, wow, what's happened to your ear? I got a text them telling me that story. And they said, well, we had to tell them what happened. Well, you know, when God does something, he doesn't just do it halfway. And I got a text a couple weeks later. You won't believe what's happened. No. Well, 
she was gaining weight at such a rapid pace, we had to take her back to the doctor to see what was going on. Apparently, whatever was wrong with her ear affected her taste buds. And she hadn't tasted food before. She was a little bitty girl, a little tiny thing. But all of a sudden, the food tasted so good. <laughs> She'd never had that before. God heals and does things. God can heal with a touch of the hand. He can heal by a spoken word. He can heal by the reading of the word. One more thing I'd like to share with you. <clears throat> God can do anything he wants. Doesn't have to, doesn't have to ha come under those uh, nine gifts of healing, or gifts. It doesn't have to come under that. He can do whatever he wants, and we don't have to have an explanation because he's God. So my husband, this is my first husband, uh, had um, his family there, and um, this was a Saturday night, and I was preparing for children's church. So I said, well, I'm going to have to excuse myself. I need to go into the bedroom and, um, and study, refresh for my uh, children's church service. Well, anybody that knew my husband realized that winter or summer, that thermostat said 65. <laughs> and this was summer. And it was cold. So I ran back and got in my bedroom and got all my work and got under the covers <clears throat> where it was cozy and warm. And I, don't, I, guess, I guess I was praying and seeking the Lord and praising the Lord. And all of a sudden I heard this roar like water. Have you ever been in an ocean and hear when the storm is? That's a, a really loud roar. And I kept hearing this roar, roar, roaring noise. And I thought, I wonder what that is. But I'm praising the Lord. And I thought, well, maybe there's a lot of other people praising the Lord too. And then I heard what I thought was speaking in tongues. And then I felt my spirit start to rise. And I thought, oh, he's come for us. The Lord has returned. I need to run and tell my family. And I thought, well, that's silly. They know the Lord. They'll be, just stay here and enjoy it. And so I'm praising the Lord and I'm praising the Lord. And I thought, no, those are not people speaking in tongues. It's people from other countries from all over the world. Because they're all going to heaven. And so we're going, I'm going higher and higher and higher and higher. I thought, I wonder how I'm going to get through that ceiling. I wonder how God's going to do that. But I stopped. And then I began to come back down very, 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 very slow until my spirit reached my body. Well, by now, I'm really cold. I'm really cold. And I thought, well, we got the electric blanket. I keep it on winter and summer with, with my husband, Bill. So I reached down, and then I heard these words, no, you go in the front hall closet and or the, the hall closet and get your blanket. I thought, well, that's silly. I got the blanket right here. No, I said, go in the hall closet and get a blanket. I thought, well, what an experience I've had. I better mind. So I started to get out of bed and I fell flat on the floor. Flat. And that's when I heard you were truly absent from the body and present with the Lord. That was the most exciting experience I'd ever had. Well, I didn't tell anybody. I, didn't, I thought, no, nah, I don't ever tell anybody here. But our church was used to having 
testimonies on Sunday night. Now the pastor would limit to maybe three or four. And so I thought, I wonder if I should share this in the evening service of the testimony. And I thought, no, I guess I better not. Well, he didn't ask for testimonies. He said, uh, does anybody have a word of exhortation? And I thought, I don't know if this is an exhortation or not, but boom, I jumped up and I told the story. And when I did and finished, sat down, a man behind me jumped up and he said, wow. He said, this is a God thing. He said, I got in the wrong church. And he said, he said, I needed to hear that tonight. And I'm thinking, what did that mean to him? He said, I was supposed to meet a girl, um, a couple of to an, at another church, which was a non-Pentecostal church. And he said, but I got here, and I guess this is where I'm supposed to be because I needed to hear that. And I thought, well, Lord, I don't know what that meant to him. But to make a long story short, he married the young lady. They, they lived in another town. It was his first time in town. That's why he got in the wrong, wrong church. And um, it, they moved in, and, and they went to a Pentecostal church, and they were both filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't ask me how God works. If we knew, we'd be God. But we're not. And we're going to leave that to God. And now as I conclude, there's one song that I'm going to ask Sister Vanna to start out. And it's going to be a cappella. So you all join in. Thine the glory, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory, revive us again. The last.